0: Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Catherine Cowdery. The stock market is rebounding from a two-day sell-off sparked by the British vote to leave the European Union. There's optimism that policymakers are committed to limit the fallout from the UK's exit. European Central Bank President Mario Draghi said there is a common responsibility to address the world's economic weaknesses. Both the bank of England and European Central Bank pledged to increase liquidity. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. Dow Industrial Average is up 252 points, 1.5%, trading at 17,391. S&P 500 up 34 points, 1.7% at 2,034. The NASDAQ is higher by 94 points, a gain of 2%. It's trading at 4688 West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil up $1.58 a barrel, 3.4% to 47.92. Spot Gold is down $8.10 an ounce at 1316.60, And the 10-year Treasury is down 6.30 seconds with a yield of 1.45%. And that's the Bloomberg Business Flash. Catherine Cowdery, thank you so very
1: much. Uh, stocks having quite a bounce back today. Bonds holding in with uh, just as some small losses, keeping that benchmark 10-year note yield down at 1.46%. That's not a very way, good way to earn income, is it? That's why we are returning now to Catherine Cowdery in our daily ETF report to look at
0: earning income from dividend payers in ETFs. As the Brexit-fueled turmoil continues in global markets, investors might want to consider income-oriented ETFs. That's a word from Todd Rosenbluth, director of ETF research for S&P Global Market Intelligence. His advice? Look for dividend-paying ETFs with limited exposure to Europe. He suggests considering the ProShares S&P MidCap 400 Dividend Aristocrat ETF ticker R-E-G-L.
2: Mid-cap companies tend to be more insulated from the economic uncertainty that's that's taking place in Europe, that's taking place in Japan and other markets as a whole. So good growth potential uh, with, with an income component as well.
0: Rosenbluth also likes the Wisdom Tree Small Cap Dividend Fund.
2: It has exposure to financial services companies, industrial companies, consumer discretionary companies that are currently paying a dividend and according to the Wisdom Tree approach to selecting securities have room for dividend growth.
0: That ETF trades under the symbol DES and has $1.3 billion in total assets. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Brexit,
1: the impact on stocks, uh, well, it's faded at least for today, but we don't know if it's really faded after two days of pounding after the vote. U.S. equities are now up, as you just heard Catherine Cattery reporting, anywhere from one5 to 2% across the board on the major market indexes. But you know, if you've been watching the market lately, or even for a long time, you know you can't let one day of rebound fool you. Headlines, of course, are a big vulnerability to the stock market and to the bond market now. Peter Cheer joins us now, head of macro strategy at Breen Capital, Right here in New York City. And of course, just to uh, explain that a little bit more, Peter, as you know, when I say headlines, I mean headline risk. I mean, everybody's watching Brexit. What's Angela Merkel going to say, the Chancellor of Germany, about her willingness to let the EU negotiate a deal that's favorable? What's going to happen within the Labour Party? So many ifs. What What is the... Expectation right now, do you think, in global markets that could be upended by an unexpected turn on the politics side?
2: You know, I think for the last 24 hours, all of a sudden, I think people are realizing a little bit that maybe Brexit isn't quite as an immediate thing as they thought. You know, it's kind of termed, okay, Brexit, and then there's almost a sense that it's an immediate reaction, this immediate filing. And I think quickly we're finding out, one, this is going to be delayed, right? There's Cameron's already stepped down, so they're going to have to find a new leader. There's a chance maybe there'll be a new election in England to determine this. There's how does the ECB play out its role in this? It seems like the ECB today hinted at, maybe pr- promising more QE in the future if needed. And then is Merkel going to continue a hard line? Is she going to be aggressive against e- England? Or is there the small chance that they start using this as a way to back up? Because if you look, countries, even Merkel is at her own trouble in Germany about the immigration issue. This immigration issue is not just, you know, a northern, you know, England issue. It's kind of hit all of Europe. So this might be the chance to back up a little bit and create a better union.
1: All right. Uh- Let's say that uh, we get through this, we get further. Maybe she backs up. The U.K. calls a general election. Uh, they get ready to elect their next prime minister. And it seems that this really is heading toward the next step. Can't go back. You can only go down the road. Uh, what about uh, the the dominoes that this could cause to start falling? What is the risk there? What is the
2: the pattern you see? And I think the pattern there would be, you know, Spain, they muddled through their election and they came out okay. It actually wasn't as bad as some feared. But I think you would see this kind of ongoing demand from countries, people, to, hey, let's challenge whether we want to be part of this. And, again, I think England's actually the relatively easy part because they're not part of the common currency, so it's actually much easier to separate. If you start talking to Spain and Italy and they start threatening to pull out or they want out that becomes much much more complicated and i think that grinds things to a halt much faster even than anything that's going on in the uk so i think that's the real fear is that you get this domino effect and i think within that one thing we're all very concerned about is have the central banks kind of lost their mojo? Do they really have the ability to support this? I think the Fed lost a lot of credibility when they put June on the table and then didn't have the data to support that. So I think we're at this real fragile state where if you start seeing these dominoes in place that slow the global economy and this lack of faith in these central bankers, you could have a pretty severe sell-off, and you know we look potentially down to 1700 on the S&P if we get that scenario. I think to get there first, we have to see, A, that the dominoes are coming, and B, there's just too many shorts in the market. I think part of the reason today we're getting this big rally is there were so many people prepared for Brexit that it wasn't as damaging as it could have been otherwise, and now you're kind of getting this short squeeze led, led by the VIX, which is going down dramatically. All these VIX ETFs, I think, are buying back stock effectively or implicitly through their actions. So that's part of the reason we're getting this rally it's not that it's over we're getting a bit of a short squeeze
1: hedging you say that there's a lot of hedging mm-hmm. behind this stock market and even though it had two down days uh it could have been worse the declines really haven't taken us that much lower than the market was before brexit what is going on there
2: And, again, I think we've had this period of time really since the February rally started that no one's really liked this rally. And I think we got lucky as a marketplace that we were pretty close to the highs. We were 2,070, I think, the Friday before the Brexit vote was occurring, so, you know, not last Friday but the Friday before. And I think that gave people a lot of confidence, hey, you know what, I'm not going to bet on Brexit winning or on Remain winning, because what's the upside? So I think we got very lucky that this has been a market that has not been well loved. I think people are underinvested. Cash balances remain very high. You've seen all this options activity, but call ratios were very high. And you've seen all these inflows into these VIX ETFs and ETNs. So I think people were very, very well prepared for this Brexit vote, which is why originally we only went from 20,000 and down to 20,950 and even, you know, 2010. So it hasn't been that dramatic sort of pullout because everyone wasn't positioned off sides. And for myself, when I look at the macro world, I'm always looking at how people are positioned. I think the fact that people are positioned so lightly on risk was a relatively saving grace and is Mm -hmm. letting us get this rally today.
1: Your single largest fear. Everybody listen to Peter Cheer's single largest fear.
2: I think that it's Junker and them continue to talk really show a eu that is completely out of touch with reality that the you know politically light continue to uh, elite pretend to be or continue to act elite and i think that will drive this faster than they realize and you will very quickly see people pushing against brussels wanting out and i don't think the economic system is sustainable right now and if all these hedges get squeezed out that will be the worst so i will be looking tonight to see our hedges going down do you see shares outstanding in some of these VIX ETFs come down? If you see that okay. coupled with an adamant you know, EU or an EU that's out of touch, then, yeah, I think we have trouble.
1: John-Claude Juncker is uh, the president of the European Commission. That's why his words are so important. What about a possible wave of credit losses in the investment-grade market?
2: And, you know, to me, if we start this next wave of selling off – I'm very concerned that it starts hitting the investment-grade space, not necessarily because there will be defaults, but because there will be mark to market losses. And how I look at the world, I look at it a little bit through, I call it Maslow's hierarchy of credit bubbles. And we've kind of already seen high-yield sell-offs, and we've had a couple in the past year. And what happens in high-yield sell-offs we get volatility in the equity market, but it's usually contained. And the reason for that is I think most people invest in high yield with their eyes wide open. That they understand, hey, you know what, I might lose 5%, but I'm trying to make 8 or 9%, so I'll deal with that volatility. It's the investment grade where people are only trying to make 3 or 4%, where all of a sudden if you see this big spread widening and people lose t- 2% or 3%, that all of a sudden they question whether they want to be in there. They sell. I think, you know, just before us they were talking about, you know, dividend stocks. Same sort of thing. There's been this huge flight into so-called safe stocks, all this yield-hungry investments. And I think there's very crowded trade. And if it starts selling off, I'm not sure okay. who the buyer of this is. So that's why this chips into investment grade which is a much bigger problem for the equity market
1: 15 seconds your second biggest fear is that the stock buyout blackout period starts companies won't buy back stocks and that's a big issue potentially
2: yeah and i think that's part of what happened in january february is one of the big drivers of this market has been companies buying back their own stocks or selling puts against their stocks and as they come into earning period they get blacked out so they cannot do that during earnings period So, again, very susceptible to a January-February-type time frame exactly as we start July.
1: Well, the J-months, there's some, uh, some potential pitfalls there. Thanks so much to Peter Cheer. He's head of macro strategy at Breen Capital. He's coming back. Dave Wilson, our Stocks Editor, to look at movers and shakers with me. I'm Kathleen Hayes. This is Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio.